everybody back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. In Golden State. Right to the Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Graham's good. Episode 62. Yes, sir. Of Views from the Clutch. Brought to you by you, the wonderful fan supporters and all those who contribute to the podcast. As always, we are thankful and appreciative of your contributions. If you would like to contribute, you have the ability to leave us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms where we are hosted, as well as leaving us a message directly through viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram and Facebook. Episode 62, what it do? What up, man? We got a lot of stuff. We ain't, we ain't been, we've been going for a little bit. We got a lot of stuff to catch up on. We've been going for a minute. Nori voice. We've been going for mm. a minute. Um, what you want to dive into first? What you want to delve into? What, what what topics are yo free spike, man? Free spike Lee. What happened to Spike Lee? What you mean what happened to Spike Lee? The Knicks one day decided that Spike entrance was no good after he spent the last twenty eight oh, plus doing years. This. Doing this. Go ahead, man. But you, why not? Go listen, ahead. Spike listen. But you All said right. free spike Lee like he was in but I'm just saying, listen, you got a dude that was this. He's probably one of the few people ever, few people alive to actually know what the last time the Knicks won a championship. He was actually in the building. Ladies and won. gentlemen, if y'all wind up hearing some violence playing while this segment goes. Nah, we're, gonna, we're not going to save much time on this because I think we both feel the same way. Like, listen, New York is. We don't. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I feel like the Knicks should have handled that a little bit better. I mean, because you talk about trying to clip the Knicks and the PR nightmare that has been the Knicks the last for a long time. Uh, this does not help that fix that issue. When how, does it, PR. how does it hurt them? though? If they already He's, looked at as as the, the, the you know, because the poster because boys for how a franchise shouldn't be ran. How, how, how does it because hurt this is just Doesn't it reinforce what you what everybody already thinks? I mean, it just for for everybody new coming up, it just it's just another injury, another black eye. At some point, you want healing to start, but you can never get healed if you keep having black eyes. So I, that that's where we've gotten with this healing. Wow. Yo, listen. All right, I'm not gonna spend too much time on. Like I said, this guy's kind hugging of, a tree right now. Keep going. Not even you, you. You listen. They the Knicks could have easily just told, re, redirected them to a, a different entrance. And said, hey, going forward. So the Knicks are at fault. The Knicks and their security guards are at fault for him going through the wrong entrance. I just want to hear you say that. No, no, no. Let's just say this. The wrong entrance to the average person. That might have been the right entrance to Spike because they've been letting him do that for so long. Um, And nobody's ever never ever denied to say, yo, you know what? Spike, you can't keep doing this. 
So is that hypothetical or is that what happened? Because I, I don't know all the details. Well, all I know is that so what... it happened and then Spike Lee got on national TV and told everybody that Dolan offered him a conversation and he said no. Well, what happened was the Knicks had released a statement about the situation with Spike Lee. Spike Lee stated that he wasn't going to bring out, wasn't going to talk about it and just kind of keep it behind the scenes. But he said when the Knicks released a statement stating that they wanted Spike Lee to sit out, I mean, not to sit out, but to go to another entrance, that's when he decided to go on ESPN's first take and state his um his side of the story. And what was his side of the story? That he his was trying to go through an entrance he always goes through? Well, he was already through the entrance. He was already went through the entrance, and then he was in the elevator, and the elevator, before the elevator went down, security stepped in the elevator and told him that he needs to go back out and go through another entrance. And Spike knew that once you, once your, your ticket is already scanned, they don't allow you re-entry. So he was like, why do I have to do that? So what they said, well, Spike will walk you, according to Spike Lee, they'll walk you to your seat. And he's like, why? I've always done it this year for the last 28 plus years since Spike's been going there. He's been going through that same exact entrance with no issue. So he was able to subvert protocol for 20 plus years. Well, no, no, no. But let's not not get it twisted. You're saying protocol what it for what we don't know what the protocol is well what the Knicks stated was that he had been going through an employee entrance to access the garden and they no longer wanted to allow him to go through an employee entrance so why wouldn't they tell him hey spike it sounds like based on what you just said they just tried to tell him and to accommodate the inconvenience they would escort him to a seat personally is that not the words that you just used that wasn't exactly what I used, but I, I see what you, the angle you're trying to go I'm with. I'm not trying you're, to go not... with an angle. Listen, <laughs> this is us projecting point, counterpoint. Yeah. I do believe that mismanagement of your celebrity clientele is a black eye. The Knicks definitely dropped the ball. There's no debating it. But when you have to look at things to the letter of what actually took place, you have to also understand that there's give and take. There are things that we get away with as customers that are outside of protocol for the longest. And when they're finally compelled to hold everybody to that same standard, there's going to be a rough transition. This is just an example of that. Look, we no longer let VIPs go through the employee entrance. Who knows what the reasoning could be? Maybe it's coronavirus linked. Who knows why? The Madison Square Garden protocol, it could just be something that, you know, Dolan's being a big penis about. It could just be that. But at the end of the day, that's their facility they're subject to running it the way they run it. You want to be a part of the function that they're throwing? You got to abide by protocol. You just, he basically got on ESPN and said, I didn't want to do what they told me to do, even though that's the procedure that they outlined for how it needs. I ain't like it because it was new. And when James Dolan offered me an opportunity to talk about it face to face, I told him, nah, instead I'm going to get on TV. Well, I mean, at some point, you got to look at it. Why would, after all of these years, why would Spike want to get on TV and bash his own, the team that doesn't get in? Because he finally had a rough, he finally got to join the same parade of all the other people who have had themselves not treated the way they wanted to be within Madison Square Garden. It happened to Charles Oakley. It happened to a couple of other former Knicks. So they all did the same thing. Things did not go well between them and Dolan. They wind up on national TV with a lawsuit saying that, you know, Dolan's this big bad guy. But again, in a situation like that, let's, let's just remove basketball quickly from it. I go to Red Lobster and I try to go in through the employee entrance. 
I'm a been a Red Lobster customer at the same location for 20 years. They got a new head of security I don't know about. He says, you know what? Look, I'm going to need you to go through the main entrance. I'll walk you out and take you through the main entrance and escort you to the table that we already have reserved for you. Nah, 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 I'm not going to do that because this isn't the way I've been doing things for 20 years. And then I leave well, no- and jump on Facebook. Or no, and then Red, Red Lobster issues a statement formally letting know all their patrons know that going forward, no longer can use this entrance. You have to use that one. And there was an incident earlier today, and this is what it was about. So I see that post on their social media page, and I decide to comment my long diatribe equivalent to what Spike Lee said. We both have a point. But, but yes and But no, how is right? it again well, no, I'm saying, no, a no, no, black listen, eye listen. for the Knicks? Because, you know what I'm saying? because their biggest okay. fan had a tiff? I don't know, man. Listen, well, with, 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 your, with your explanation, your, your analogy, that's misleading. Because your new head of security knows exactly who I am. And the owner of okay, the store. Okay, so who is Spike owner, Lee? Who is Spike is, Lee? He's basically like the team's mascot. As per who? As per As his per, loyalty and the $30 million yeah. worth of season tickets he spent? He all of a sudden gets an entitlement. The man basically came on TV and said, the same franchise I've been following for X amount of years, I don't have no relationship with the new owner. How you get mascot status when the guy who gets to pay the mascot don't know you on a personal level? Make that make sense. I have no relationship with the person who runs the franchise I'm the quote-unquote biggest fan of. And I should still be able to maintain that relationship. You know what happened when Balmer took over the Clippers? People got replaced. Easily, yeah. There's a big-time, long-time Clipper fan. Got sat right outside. We going with a no, whole but they new bought, way. But they bought, they bought, they bought Clipper Daryl back in. Okay. Why? Because he had a meeting with management. You can't. Yeah. Spike Lee's not even making himself available to resolve the tension. This is Mr. Do the Right Thing. This is Mr. Fight the Power That Be. He went the Fight the Power That Be route rather than the Do the Right Thing, diplomacy. If you don't want your franchise, if you love your franchise and you want what's best for your franchise, you yourself as a self-appointed mascot wouldn't go out to make the franchise that you want to eventually do what? Heal. Those are your words, right? Heal. You wouldn't go out and be a wrestling heel to your franchise. Oh, let me go out and pour more salt in the wound that they, that that already exists with the New York Knicks. Let me just be the 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 the, the straw that breaks the camel's back in fan loyalty. Because if they see the quote unquote people's mascot getting treated dirty, what's that going to do? That's going to rile everyone else up against the franchise to make the situation worse, not better. It's counterproductive. So you say if Spike should have just been happy? No, and, and be quiet. No, oh, okay. So, he so, should have so taken the opportunity to sit down with Dolan, an opportunity to sit face-to-face with the very reason why you're suffering from so much heartache for your beloved franchise. Get your feelings out, not only about the incident, but also about how you feel. The man is offering you a one-on-one audience with him. You know how many people, incredible people within sports, cannot speak to Jim Dolan? Plenty. Jim Dolan doesn't do interviews on SportsCenter. We don't see him on first take. And here you are, the biggest olive branch to all of the fans. The biggest representation of the suffering and symbolism that 
New Yorkers have to endure to be a loyal fan to that franchise. And the person who you feel is most responsible offers you an opportunity to have a face-to-face conversation with him. And in your childlike frustration, you opt not against it. Instead, I'm going to go on TV wearing the jersey of a player who's suing him. Yeah, Spike, you did the right thing, bro. You did the right thing. You were mistreated. It was handled wrong. Madison Square Garden and New York Knicks, shame on you. But when the manager makes an opportunity to make amends and you decline it, you've already stated what your pivot is. I'll rock with you. F y'all. And on top of that, when you went on, you said, I'm not going to no more home games. So you were super duper in your feelings. Yeah, but he, he didn't have a jersey on when he went on first take. I'm sorry. He didn't have the jersey on when he went on first take. It's something that he's done at the Garden repeatedly. He's worn Oakley jerseys. And even with that being said, mm-hmm. Jim Dolan still did what was the corporate thing to do. Get an audience with that man. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's be clear. I am not on the side of Jim Dolan. I'm not trying to make him out to be a good person. I'm not trying to make him out to be a good owner. He's mismanaged his franchise to a level of near oblivion. But that near oblivion management has somehow still managed to keep that franchise as the number one most valuable franchise in all of sports. It's worth more, for God's sake. All of basketball. Basketball, basketball. okay. But it's on the verge of being parallel to the Manchester United of basketball. That's how much money the Knicks are worth. Now, obviously, he's not going to cash out and ever see it for what it's worth. Because, again, that brings an end to all of the things that give Nolan notori- give Dolan notoriety. Exactly. So he's holding on to it because that's his last nest egg. I get that, too. Because that's a huge nest egg to have. And honestly, if you and I were owning owners of the Knicks, we wouldn't sell either. Because the profit no, alone not. would keep us afloat. I could live off Knicks profit. Of I could go and do you everything I need and want to do off Nick's profit. Easily. I'm not compelled. I'm not compelled to jump into he anything. He wouldn't even sell it. You got to think about it. That dude, what, as profit, as profitable as the Knicks are, he wouldn't sell that for $10 billion. Like, it would have to be some astronomical number. If the Clippers were sold for $2.1 billion, and the Clippers were the laughing stock of the NBA, mm-hmm. What I mean, the Knicks, but they weren't the laughing stock in the NBA when Ballmer came and got them. They were, they were, they were the rehabilitation you know, project yes. that Doc Flippers, you know, that Doc I'm Rivers, sorry, marketability wise, like not, I didn't mean to say that's a, a laughing stock, but marketability wise, they're nowhere near where the Knicks are or even were at that time. Listen, you know, listen, saying the Clippers and Knicks as far as level of franchise, franchise prestige, it, it pales in comparison. I can't even begin to try and entertain a debate with you. But had the profile no, 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 sure. had the profile of the of the Clippers, has it been on the rise? Yes. Lob City, absolutely. Doc yeah, Rivers, absolutely. getting rid of Donald absolutely. Sterling. It's a culture change. All of those things yeah, in the right direction. Have been moving that franchise towards the right direction. And now with where they stand with what they're doing, they they stand to actually be legitimately worth what Ballmer paid for them. Like the 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 proof is in the pudding. Oh, they they gonna get that they gonna get that money back because they are. Oh, but another thing, side note, side track is still Nick Dolan related. Uh, Obama is in um, 
talks of trying to finalize a deal to buy the, the uh, Great Western Los Angeles Forum for, from Dolan, from you know, from Dolan. So we'll see how that works because if that is working, that will allow the Clippers to move into that arena. I think, and I think three years, if I'm not mistaken. What they're going to do is up. the moment that he sells, they're going to blow a hole in that building. Oh, easily. And they're going to build something on top of it. So it may become the new forum, which I still would think would be a silly move for Balmer to do. If you're going to buy that building, you're going to have to buy it, rebuild it. And I've seen and heard about the plans that he has for an all-in-one Clippers complex. And it's very ambitious and it's very dope. And it's equivalent to what they're, uh, uh, of what they're trying to do with the Chase Center for, for the um, Warriors. So... Mm-hmm. So I do think that, you know, if they're able to get that handled, that the Clippers will be able to walk into a new era of his ownership. And and this is the thing that we all need to remember. If I get a car used or new, I'm going to want to put my personal spin on it. Same for pretty much everybody in here. We're all the same way. Mm -hmm. We want our things to reflect more on our personality. So I think he's going to put his own unique touch on whatever, you know, the Clippers as a franchise become. And I respect him for that because that's that's the way to go. Absolutely. Um. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, what? The next thing is, um, what is your thoughts on um Kenny Atkinson being um ousted as the uh, Nets head coach? Which did you find that as a surprise? Um. Yes. I'm. I'm pretty much in in a state of shock and semi depression over how it seemed to have played out because here you are. As a coach, Kenny Atkinson, who you've basically built them like, you know, like you fostered a, a, a child. You know, the Nets, along with him and um, their general manager, Sean Marks, mm-hmm. they, they basically walked into a situation where they were in a lose-lose. No draft picks, not many assets on the table, very tough to bring players in, and now you're on the verge of next season having arguably two of the top 15 players in the league. One arguably is going to be top five by default and Kevin Durant and then Kyrie Irving coming back healthy. He's immediately in the conversation of top 15 players. He's a perennial all-star and he won't even get an opportunity to coach them. Yeah. And apparently this was a quote unquote mutual decision. And in my lifetime of understanding mutual decisions usually when it's a mutual decision that means you got fired so i'm curious as to how we got here did i think that kenny atkinson and i think we probably had prognosticated this that kenny atkinson would be the first the first head to roll if things didn't go right next year but to see his head roll in the season where he literally has just been coaching off junk parts all season. And I don't want to call those players junk, but Kyrie hasn't been healthy for the majority of the season. And now he's out. Mm-hmm. Karis LeVert has ever- been hurt in multiple instances. Your, your, your constants have been guys like Dinwiddie and really not much of anyone else. I mean, you got your DeAndre Jordan and, and the remaining players on the roster, but you haven't really been able to look in the tool shed and have every tool that you should have available to you at your disposal. It's unfortunate. And um, I think considering that they were still in contention for a playoff spot. But they're currently exactly seven spot. I'm hard pressed to understand. You understand what I'm saying? What the necessity was, what 
to yeah it's got to be some rumblings behind the scenes because i think obviously especially with this season being a lost season like you knew going into this season whatever you can get out of it cool continue to develop the players but it's next season that the 2021 season is the one that you know everybody thought like okay if he don't move and shake in that season then you can expect to move him i don't think most people at least the common the common fan had that on the radar like this season is a season where he could lose it especially when they just came off winning three out of the last four games um heck two in a he row got fired right after this. a win that's what i'm saying and he won he beat the spurs on top of that of that so oh, um, being the spurs who are not really a playoff team but again when was it you think a depleted uh brooklyn roster or nets roster you still think even with the spurs is kind of in disarray. You don't, still don't think the Spurs is going to lose to the Nets. I'm just saying, to, to come off a win off of, off of a decent team and a and a, um, a, a team that has an average, above, being above average team uh, that's battling for a playoff spot to beat them when you're, when you're short-staffed and you still get um, bumped out. One second. What is it, Zion? My teacher said to Okay, so bring me the papers from your folder, please. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, it did. It, it was definitely a left turn from nowhere that I did not see coming. And again, like you said, everything that you said is, is spot on. Reading that he was even eligible to be considered for being fired was just I don't know I, I was not prepared for yeah, it it's got to be some rumblings I know they were talking about and I'm sure as the as the rest of the season plays out we'll hear more well information. there was an interview uh, that I did peep on ESPN where a reporter was able to get DeAndre Jordan to uh speak about the idea that the players were against it a lot of the new players were against Kenny Atkinson being the coach and he basically brushed that off and said he thought it was a bunch of BS. Now, he also said that while he was wearing a hat that looked like a combination of a sombrero and the hat that um, Mortal Kombat character, um, what's the guy's name who throws the hat? Um, Kung Lao. So if you guys happen to see him wearing a Kung Lao hat and there's a video link attached to it, click it because you'll get to see DeAndre Jordan's take on why um, Kenny Atkinson didn't last and whether or not the players played a significant role in that. He didn't seem to agree that that was something that they were responsible for. And I can understand him having that position on that 110% because Sean Marks, Bobby Marks, whatever his name is, the GM of the Nets, made it very clear that the decision was more so about conversations between himself and the coach than they were about the players. And when he had been asked repeatedly, well, if the players had been consulted and said that this was something that they didn't want, would they have been listened to? He sidestepped that by saying, well, this was a decision between me and the coach in the first place, so I don't know what the players got to do with how I feel. So I definitely feel like at some point, this almost seems like a, you said the wrong thing. I thought I could get over it, but I can't. And I can't work with you type of situation, you know? That's the vibe I'm getting from it. But since we're on the coaches on the hot seat vibe, um, a tweet came my way, 
in regards to the tumultuous situation that appears to be brewing underneath the surface in Houston. Apparently, sources are saying that Mike D'Antoni is next on the hot seat as James Harden feels like his voice, the voice of Mike D'Antoni, may no longer be able to be the one that continues to lead them. Well, because they lost four straight. And as as I was telling you this past last week, when I saw them, I went to go see them play the Rockets versus mm-hmm. Clippers. They ended up get they would get they got yeah they would get the, the doors now for them. I can't even debate that. Now I know the final score ended up being they lost by fifteen, but no, that was that was only because them dudes must must have hit like a a, a ten pointer before the um buzzer <laughs> because it was crazy. No, nah, that that game was twenty to thirty points easily. Um, pretty much every every quarter. You got to think Houston only scored. 44 points at halftime. Only 44? So now, yeah. nowadays so in the modern NBA, that. scoring 44 points is our only. Remember when getting to 100 was a, was a, was a, was a thing? Like, if two teams scored 100... Yeah, that ain't, that ain't okay, and thing. granted, this is the Rockets, but this is the reality yeah. we have to come to understand about the sport of basketball. How many minutes are there in a quarter? 12. 12. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you take 44 and you divide it by the total minutes available in a half, you have 24. So they literally scored two points a minute just under because they should have gotten a 48. So they were below mm-hmm. the per minute pace by four points and below the standard NBA pace, which I think the average halftime score is somewhere between 55 to 60 now. So, so they were, yeah, they were yeah. behind. Listen. Mm-hmm. If if there's someone to blame for what is going not right in Houston, because now Houston is no longer the fifth seed that has been taken over by the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. They are now the fifth best team in the Western Conference, I believe, unless they took a loss to knock themselves out of the fifth seed right after the graphic got printed. No, no, this, this, this sixth. Wait, wait. Houston is yeah sixth because they and, lost. And Oklahoma three. City is now the fifth seed, correct? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you said um my bad. I thought you said Houston was the first Now, seat. mind you, in the midst of all the losses that they've taken, like you said, they took a really brutal loss to the Los Angeles Clippers, a team who had it out for them big time. The Clippers and and, and uh-huh. the Rockets do have a, a rivalry due to more so of the players on the team, more so than the actual two franchises having any tension. The Patrick Beverly uh, versus James Harden and um, Russell Westbrook dynamic is always going to make their games more intense than they would any other regular mm-hmm. season game. As long as you have those two teams or those two players opposing each other, that combination of players opposing each other, I'm, I'm almost expecting it to get testy. So to see Houston get folded like that, like Houston got folded like Sunday laundry with grandma doing it. So that means that that means that Word. the creases was like extra sharp and everything was folded uh-huh. military style and and your shirts was in the right order. Everything you you got yeah, you crazy. you got laundry bagged. So to see Houston, because I, I believe within the the most of the past four podcasts we were speaking about the viability of small ball. And here we are now uh-huh. dealing with the possibility that not only may their 
way of choice of small ball may have just been a novelty that has already run its course in the NBA. Kind of like how um, that offense that they ran in the NFL for a couple couple weeks, the Wildcat. Like yeah, the no, the Wildcat. Remember how the, the Wildcat, Wildcat was yeah. a novelty oh, for gotcha, half gotcha. a season before teams just figured out, said, you know what? Wherever they hike the ball, we're going to kill a person who catch it, which is what you're supposed to do in football in the first mm-hmm. place. But for some reason, they've forgotten that simple premise because of the Wildcat. But anyway, to make a long story short, mm-hmm. the Wildcat offense that was five smalls may have just already run its course that quickly. But Daryl Morey and Houston management, they made that decision. And it did temporarily unlock Russell Westbrook and make him more efficient. But the reality of mm-hmm. any sports especially during the season, is that teams that care will adjust. And teams responded. Because no team, honestly, and this is something that I think fans and people who listen to us need to understand. NBA teams as a whole take when you come out with something new as an indictment on how they're doing things. So it almost becomes a statement from the rest of the NBA to prove to you that your way of doing things is not only wrong, but it's tragically wrong. So do I think some teams put in extra effort when it came to modeling the Rockets? Definitely. Do I think the Clippers put their foot on their neck at a level that may have not been necessary for a regular season game? Definitely. But there was extra motivation behind it. So the Rockets are getting... They're, they're, I don't want to call it karma, but they're getting a dose of what happens when you were the hot boy last week and now you're not. And the idea that Mike D'Antoni could be on the hot seat and on the verge of losing his job before the playoffs even start is absolutely a joke to me. Mike D'Antoni, for all that has been said and done, he, he remains to me top five most misunderstood yet brilliant coaches in NBA history. So the Rockets are going to lose him anyway. He's gone. He's a lame duck coach. They took his staff away to begin the season. Mm-hmm. They're not going to bring him back unless Houston miraculously wins the championship and Russell Westbrook threatens to hurt somebody if he doesn't return or something along those lines. He's gone. But the idea that you would try mm-hmm. and implant a new head coach with 20-some-odd games left to go in the season, if that, yeah, it's like 18. Yeah, and here we are. We have 20, two yeah. teams doing that. Who failed at every opportunity to be a head coach in his career is now running the Nets. I, I, I almost, mm-hmm. it almost feels like we couldn't get Kenny to tank. We couldn't get Kenny to tank. So let's put somebody in his place who will be okay with losing because Kenny Atkinson is a winner. He gets the most mm-hmm. out of those players and they play hard for him. And I think that because yeah. he was compelled to try, his natural instinct was compelled to try and keep winning, when winning really does nothing for the Nets right now, let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Come on, that's what I'm saying, because this season, this season Let's was just be literally honest. If they like failed their way out of the playoffs, they probably benefit more from whatever draft pick they would get than from winning and making a few hundred thousand to a million dollars from going to the playoffs and getting swept. Oh, by easily. the number two team in the East. So, Which is currently so Toronto. They were looking at four postseason games, two of them at home, where you make a few million dollars off of that or a few hundred, whatever the case may be. You make a profit off of that. 
But with an opportunity to bring somebody like Kevin Durant and um, Kyrie Irving into the fold, along with whoever else you may be able to bring along, maybe maybe it served them better to actually lose. And maybe Kenny didn't want to be a part of that. Because immediately after he's rolled out, DeAndre Jordan starts. DeAndre Jordan has started five games all season. Mm-hmm. Five games. And now he gets 35 minutes and Jared Dudley gets, I mean, and, um, and Jared Allen gets 19. Jared Allen. So. Yeah. Nah, you definitely know something's going on with that, with that camp because, like you said, but Atkinson, he was, he was, um, you know, a real good player, development coach. They overachieved last year. I mean, they went, they went 41 and 41. Now this year, they'll probably finish under 500. Well, at the rate before he got fired, they would probably finish under 500, but they were still competitive, very competitive team. Uh, the fact that Karis LeVert had 51 the other night against Boston in Boston uh, just shows that those guys still compete, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, situ- a sad situation for him. I think um, I think he'll definitely be a uh, definitely a, a very well received coach going into next season. He definitely have um, some options for him for him going forward. So I don't necessarily think this net situation is a black eye for him. Uh, actually, I think it might help him because it is a situation where he didn't do anything wrong. He got the most out of what he was given. So if you're a young team, let's say, you know. Maybe if you're a uh, shoot, maybe a Minnesota, you know, maybe Minnesota feels like they could do something with him because they want to move on from um, who Brian Saunders. Wait, 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 you talking or, about who Kenny Atkinson getting a new job? I'm talking about yeah. yeah oh, he exactly, listen, yeah, yeah. He'll probably wind up becoming an assistant on one of these playoff teams w- within the next two weeks. So I can imagine. No, but I'm just saying if if he oh, wants right. a coaching but position I'm talking about right season. now, like he'll probably I don't think he even gets oh, yeah, to yeah. sit out the playoffs. That's how good of a coach he is. Oh, yeah. And yeah, his yeah, defensive yeah, yeah. schemes he'll get that somebody. He was rolling out with subpar defenders and rosters. Every team is gonna feel like if we get a guy like this who can we can get to clean up our, our, our line of defense, we're we're gonna improve exponentially. I, I don't I don't see him Absolutely. I don't see I him getting that. much time off unless he just flat out elects to take it. Um I've yeah. already heard word that he's going to be considered for the Bulls opportunity. I was going to say that was the second team I was going to And go I with. also think that D'Antoni if he doesn't make the season he's my pick to coach that Chicago Bulls roster. The players that they have there and the style of coach that he is and what he encourages can you imagine? And and that would I don't think Atkinson would probably be amenable to it. But if you were to bring them both in, you let Mike D'Antoni run the offense and be the head coach, and you let Atkinson run the defense, so that they have a, a, a solid defensive. Oh, that's a playoff team. They, that's a playoff team for sure. And guess what? If those guys who are currently Bulls front office were to pull that off, they probably get to keep their jobs too. Oh yeah, yeah easily. If they're able to go to Mr. Reinsdorf and say, hey, I can get you Dan Tony and Atkinson. Or you I mean I'm Boylan. Boy Boylan will be walking out of there with the what's that from the, the, the old movies where you got the stick with the 
Sandman from the no, no, no. What's that thing like when you know, like when they they send people off homeless and all they got is they stuff and and it's on a stick with a bag on the end of it. Yeah. Oh, that's how you'll see Boylan walking out of the United Center because they would expedite his exit like. And um, easily. And speaking of the Bulls, somewhere out of nowhere, I turned on my TV and magically, Otto Porter, Wendell Carter. And Laurie Marketing all came back the same day. Yeah, and to make the matter strange. even more strange, Zach Levine didn't play that game. So yeah, that's crazy. Enough about the dysfunction. Let's talk about what's been functioning in the NBA. Well, what you got for me, brother? Who, who, who can we talk to on a positive note or talk about on a positive note in regards to? I know that. We don't have to go there. Obviously, the Lakers did what they did this weekend. We can cross that bridge when we get things that are actually of a broader scale brought into the into the conversation. I mean, if you want to talk about your Lakers, we can't go one episode without you talking about your Lakers. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. This what doesn't have to be. segment with? Who, what franchise were we talking about? I, I, I'm going to repeat my question with the effort of you answering the question only. I'm sorry, sir. What I just said that we no, don't always talk about the question. What team were we discussing to opening this podcast, sir? Okay, no, now you just said the Knicks. Before you said all that, agenda, I said, yeah, we don't always talk about them. I didn't ask you what we always talk about. No, I said we always talk about the Knicks. I, I acknowledge, yeah, what here you go. yeah exactly, exactly. But hey, you know what? Let's let's, let's talk about something positive. Let's talk about um, the Miami situation with Duncan Robinson. He's the uh, single season record the, um, for undrafted player. Single season three three point record. Well, no, yeah, he was the most. No, no, he broke the franchise record for three point made three point baskets made in Miami, and also he's got the most three point made baskets by undrafted so NBA player in NBA history. One uh, of them that counts. Who yeah, and then, then it says the most Miami Heat. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, but I mean, big shout out to him because that dude started mm-hmm. out in Division Three mm-hmm. uh, basketball. And then I think in his sophomore or his junior year, he got he got a situation where he was able to walk on to mm-hmm. um, University of Michigan. And he played uh, and he played for so coach the goal. When he was at University of Michigan. Was it, who was, was it yeah, Jim Boylan? Baylon? Baylon. seems to be linked to people overachieving? Who, who's, who's another one that has probably... Oh, he, couldn't, he, he couldn't bring that man. He couldn't bring that man. That's what happens when you have to coach a bunch of thugs. Oh, wow. You have to, you have to coach a bunch of petulant kids oh. who, who want to be petty in the locker room because that's what the NBA entitlement allows you to do. Now, do I think that there were some... Okay. Agreed. The run I asylum, do think though. that there were some issues in regards to Baylon being so advanced in age and trying something new, that's usually tough. Um, one of the few old coaches who was able to actually stick for a while being kind of old was Larry Brown. And even he had his issues. And, you know, Larry Brown is the, yeah. the, the biggest serial dater in coaching history. I mean, so I'm not going to even compare Baylon to him because Baylon didn't have the same amount of success that Larry Brown was able to generate throughout his college career, but he, he he was a good coach when he was at Michigan. And I'm pretty sure he regretted probably the week after he started in Cleveland 
taking that money, which is probably part of the reason why he tried to give it back so expeditiously and leave the franchise. And Cleveland was like, nah, get over here. You're a consultant. You're going to take our yeah, money. That's crazy. Whether you want it or not. Imagine that. You, you're forcing a person to come to work who tried to quit, bro. Word. I'm still paying him, though. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, man. Like, it's like, how you get a, how did you get a promotion and you actually put in your resignation? Word, right? like, you know like, I don't want to be, on, I don't want to be on Friday. Oh, no, right, cool. Sir. Assistant manager it is. What? Exactly. What? Wait, what? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually trying to leave. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Don't worry. We've, we've you, got think, you think we let players like you touch the streets? Not happening, bro. You're not going to be a free agent and be mm. killing us at Burger King. Nah. No way, sir. But, um, exactly. yeah, so getting back to the team that you don't want to discuss, but they did. Um, does the narrative change if the Lakers are somehow, because apparently the Lakers are only two games back in the last column of the Bucks now all of a sudden? Yeah, oh, yeah. Giannis has a, he's going to sit out for at least the next two games with a, what did they say, for a strained knee or something like that? I forgot. I think it was a strained knee or mm-hmm. they're doing an yeah. MRI. Guarding LeBron knee. so hard that he strained his knee in the process. And... Yeah, wow. Listen, man. Uh, let's just see. What the record is for Milwaukee is 53-11. and 11, And the, and the Lakers are 49-13. Thir- mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think. Let me say this. If LeBron catches Giannis or the Bucks, if the Lakers catch the Bucks and have the best record, I think pass over that MVP trophy. Can give it to But at this I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see because some of these I mean these these voters, you know, that's a, we've seen some awards that make you scratch your head sometimes. Uh so I think what the situation with Milwaukee is, I mean, I look at it like this, with Giannis being out. The fact that they'll probably keep losing if they keep reinforces lose, that how that important just he is. Him, he, he needs to be there exactly because I mean, let's be honest. Milwaukee's record, or let's just Milwaukee without Giannis, at best is a ninth seed. You know, uh, the Lakers without LeBron, they're I think and this is to be fair to how great both of those guys are, Giannis and LeBron. I think you're looking at two rosters who would both be fighting for the lower half of their playoff races in their conference if they were left as is without their roster. We got a glimpse of what it's like to not have LeBron, but the roster that he was not a part of is totally different this year than the one that he's playing with. And this one has Anthony Davis on it. But Anthony Davis's best mm-hmm. season as the best player on his team never got them to the playoffs. It wasn't until Rondo and I believe uh, – they did have one year where they went to the playoffs and Rondo and um, DeMarcus Cousins weren't a part of the team, if I'm not correct, because Anthony Davis has been to the playoffs twice. But I think they made the most noise – yeah. When they had all of those guys on the team, and didn't I don't know who they gave trouble in the first mm-hmm. round. I don't think they advanced. No, they they knocked off. They knocked off. Um, okay. They knocked off Portland. 
Portland, which is one of the most schizophrenic playoff franchises in recent history. So I don't know how much kudos you give to Portland because, again, you never know what version of Portland you're going to get. Last year, Portland went to the Western Conference Finals. Looking at them this year, and, you know, they're borderline bumper sticker. And, yeah, a lot of that could be attributed to the fact that they're not starting the season with who, you know, is their ideal roster, but it just doesn't seem like no matter what combination of guys they put out there, they can put together consistent periods of winning. I mean, Dame is out there, and I don't even know if he's right. I just think he came back because, yeah, they can't drop too many games. I mean, they're they're currently four and a half games back. Uh, the eighth seed, and lo and behold, and... who has slid into contention for the ninth spot in the West while we were sleeping? Sacramento Kings. Sacramento. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're currently the, in the tenth spot right now. Well, by percentage points to the King, the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans own the, own the tiebreaker between the um, Pelicans own a lot of tiebreakers and not but a lot of the record. So they got to figure that out. I mean, I do see that you know they recently had a tough week with um, some of the losses that they had, which were to some of the better teams left on their schedule. And then they went and got a win against a team that mm-hmm. they weren't expected to beat to kind of make up some ground. But yeah. they've just got to have one of those hot weeks where they reel off three or four in a row. Um, Memphis is scheduled to return um, Jaron Jackson shortly, as well as um, Winslow will finally be making his debut as a Grizzly. And I think that gives them a, a, a level of potency that, I don't know, they go up a notch. They beat the Lakers without those guys present. And that that's not to say that adding Winslow and Jaron Jackson makes them so much better that they're good enough to regularly compete with the Lake compete with the Lakers. But if they can figure it out and beat a team as good as LA without those guys and then incorporate them on the fly, we we a lot of credit gotta go to this Taylor Jenkins guy, man. I'm telling you, this dude, I mean, I'll be let's be honest, man. I'm looking at that dude. That dude if no. they can hold on to this AFC, he's you not got, a coach. You know what? Listen, man, the last person to do it with a record of 500 was Doc Rivers. Back oh, the, the year back that day, Tracy so. McGrady gave him all of the accolades and started this whole he's a great coach crap that Doc Rivers has been able to build a whole career around. Yeah, I remember. But just saying, but listen. Nobody had Memphis on the radars of being the eighth seed. Agreed. In Agreed. I said they would be competitive. So I I'm just saying you they got were a lottery team. So for Ja and that collection of players to have been able to put together what they have this year, it's amazing. It's dope. And it's a reflection of a good coaching job because sometimes a coach isn't always about their system, but also being able to get out of a player's way and give them an opportunity to just be great. So you know, those one-year coaches, there are a lot of coaches who have had a great first year and then they fall off. So we can't be too praising of Taylor Jenkins because this is, a, this is an industry about longevity more so than it is about instant success. So you can microwave a great season and then the rest of your career be crap. It's happened before with players. It's going to happen with coaches. It's going to happen with a lot of people involved in the sport. So I don't want to say anything to lessen the great job that he's responsible for being a part of. So big time kudos to you, Taylor Jenkins. Like you, you deserve your roses. I'm not going to take anything away from you. Listen, I'm giving him some votes or Billy Donovan. Again, and, that's and where, I, that's where my, listen, 
Right now, you can't you can't budge me off. Or even you cannot Miami budge me off the, the Oklahoma City Thunder's coach and their GM for their their possibilities of being in the running for their you know candidates. So you got Billy Donovan, who definitely has to be on the ballot for Coach of the Year, and Sam Presti, who's got to be on on mm-hmm. on the ballot for Executive of the Year. And if you were to start naming people who mm-hmm. did better jobs than them, you're going to be talking about some pretty amazing jobs. Okay, so you could maybe throw Pat Riley in there because of what Miami's done. How much credit do you give the Spolstra for yep. what Miami's done? So you could throw that tandem in there. And mind you, you don't have to nominate tandems. You can mix and match mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, this guy's done a great job as a GM, even mm-hmm. if the coach didn't produce on the floor. You can do that too, but I think some of those situations with coach and GM of the year, they do kind of go hand in hand. And the fact that Miami was able to take that roster and make a plug and play situation from basically not being able to be in the playoffs the, the previous year to what they are now. A lot of kudos have to go to them, but the Oklahoma city thunder are in the uh-huh. fifth seed in the West right now. And nobody just like the Grizzlies had them smelling the playoffs. We had given their spot away. They were in the playoffs last year. They, I think right now they're set to become mm-hmm. the new Spurs. There's something like 18 years in a row of consecutive playoffs or something like that. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if it's 18, but they mm-hmm. have a pretty long streak. No, it can't be 18 because Kevin Durant came to them and he wasn't in the playoffs when he was mm-hmm. a Sonic. Yeah, so maybe, been, yeah, say, yeah. Because Kevin Durant is at 10 years and, and I think after his second year as a Sonic, they moved to Oklahoma City and they started going to the playoffs every year after that. But Oklahoma City has basically put together a nice streak since moving to Oklahoma City of consecutive playoff runs and losing the players that they lost, one who was uh, one of the league leaders in scoring in Russell Westbrook on one coast, and then losing another who is a key player in the, the Clippers resurgent and Paul George and swapping them out with a second-year player in Shea Gilgis and a veteran who everybody seems to want, but not for his price, and Danilo Gallinari, along with Chris Paul, and patching together a team that is fifth in, in, in one of the toughest years in basketball. That's amazing, man. Billy Donovan was a trash coach. The whole time that he was there, and Kevin Durant, and Westbrook was there, and, and then Oladipo, and then Paul George, the problem was always Billy Donovan. And now we realize... Maybe it wasn't Billy Donovan this whole time, and I, I think that's a that's a that's a great reclamation story for them, and hopefully they can make something out of it. Um, Al Horford's woken up; he's been playing well in his most two recent games. He got the Liberty Bell banged for him on a recent win that they had, and then I think did they win last night or two nights ago? Wow, my bad. No, so let's not talk about Al Horford and the Sixers. Um, Yo, did we shout out the? Uh, no, we didn't. Know we did it. We did it. Yeah, shout out to Shake Milton, Milton for you know. Cat. And did you, I went and learned more about him during that game where they were bigging up Al Horford? As a matter of fact, did you know where his name came from? His father used to be called the Milkman. His father was a former basketball player, and when his father, mm. when he was when his mom was pregnant with him, he tapped the belly and he was like, "How's my little milkshake?" So he has a legitimate first name. I forgot what it is. It's not even relevant. When you have a name like Shake, that's going to stick. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to that boy, man. I hope that you have exactly. a long and fruitful career, considering you came from small beginnings and humble beginnings to, to where you are now. I always root for those mm-hmm. guys. Cause... 
Yeah, but Larry, Larry Brown was his coach at SMU. Correct. SMU Mustang. So shout out to you. Um, mm-hmm. And there'll be more like you because now that the landscape of college basketball is changing with the amendments coming to the one-done rule, we're going to start to see a lot of college players be juniors and seniors before they get drafted again. You're going to really have to develop as a college player and be one of those top college players to be considered for a, a shot because so many kids are going to blur the lines on what's worthy of being drafted once they complete this one-and-done rule transition, which is the only real caveat to it all is that now a kid like Zion in this new era, he would have left high school and went straight to the NBA. He would have never even had a dance affair with Duke. But there are going to be kids like the, uh, who was that kid that they said was better than LeBron? Lenny Cook. We're going to get drafted. And, mm, and so we're, 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 there's, there's always an exchange rate with a situation like this. You know what I'm saying? So now we're in the prefaces of seeing kids who are really young. And, and let's just be real. Zion, for all his greatness, if he doesn't spend that one year at Duke, can you imagine how much worse he would have been his rookie season? That one year helped. Doesn't seem like it, but it did. It helped. And then he had an extended stay on the injured reserve list to give him like an opportunity to eyeball things. Did he have the natural talent to step on the floor and play with him? Yeah. But I think even that one year that he got with Coach K gave him just enough development to that he, he's sitting in the league at a position where everybody's got to adjust to him because he has enough variability to his game. I don't think he would have had that much versatility had he not done that one year at Duke and dealt with some of the things to prepare him for how he's being treated in the NBA now. I'm not saying that college is for everybody, but there still has yet to be an instance of any singular rookie coming out straight out of high school and tearing the league up. Who's done it? Who's done it? Out of high school, first year in, first year in the league, and... It was clear. It may have been clear that the kid had talent, but there's never been a dominant first year out of high school player since I think like Moses Malone. And we weren't even allowed for that. So you don't you don't consider LeBron he had a, coming okay, out of high school? He had a great rookie year. No oh, debate no. in that. But it still took him a year to become the, the force that he's become. That one year after his high school, you know, after his first mm-hmm. year, I mean he just continued to ascend and then reach his, reach his prime, and he just kept his prime window open by adjusting his game. So LeBron has been the outlier, outlier his entire career. But outside of him, who really, as a first-year, fresh-out-of-high-school player, and we're a part of that era, so we got to see Kevin Garnett. We got to see Kobe Bryant sit the bench. Um, who else from that high school era? That's really it, ain't it? As we, as far uh, as we go, as yeah, I mean, first year, yeah. I mean, fresh out of high school players who became like, you know, like faces of the league. It's Garnett and yeah, Dwight, Dwight Howard. I mean, he had his four, Howard, he had his but, four years. But he's well, he he wasn't on the he same was. tier. He, he was, but he ruined it for himself in Orlando. Um, he 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 kind of cratered his whole situation. Dwight stays in Orlando. He stays with a franchise who wants to build around him. The moment he told Orlando he wanted to go. He had to learn that the rest of the league didn't feel the same way about him. Whereas Kevin Garnett had to essentially be forced to go play for Boston. And Kobe Bryant got manipulated 
well, not him being manipulated, but his whole situation of where he landed got manipulated because Jerry West, back in those days, was was one of the most cunning people in, in the NBA. And he basically swindled the Hornets into it by having Kobe's agent basically make them aware that, yo, I'm not going to show up. So they had looked to draft him for themselves, but the agent had told them, no, nah, I'm not going to go. So Charlotte was going to go a different route. But when Jerry West came to them with the opportunity for Divock, Jerry West didn't even tell Charlotte who they wanted to draft. They said, we're going to trade Divock to you for that pick, and we'll tell you who the pick is the day of the draft. So Charlotte didn't know they were drafting Kobe Bryant. They were just following instructions. That's an amazing story about how Kobe Bryant winds up in L.A. But, um... Yeah, because the matters could have been all no it took was one GM to be like yeah, fuck up that. before they did. I don't care what I don't care what his agent said. We got his mm-hmm. rights. He's playing here. All it takes is one agent, and there's usually okay. I mean not one agent, but one person, one mm-hmm. one GM to say, you know what, I don't care. Yeah, and there have been instances like that where it's happened yeah. before, where a guy has been drafted by a team who didn't even see him work out. They just were high on him, and he became available, and they took him. So it's not a reach, oh, but. Easily. Even now, with what we have going into the, the, the future draft, and what are they saying? It's like a three, it's a three-horse race. One of the kids is from college. One of them is one of the Ball brothers, and then the other is Wiseman, who had to sit out essentially the entire year because of his NCAA issues. Mm-hmm. And the other kid is, um, I think his name is o- mm. Oba. From, uh, one of the Dayton, kids plays for Georgia, right? Dayton, they're from Dayton? Yeah. So oh, Edwards, yeah, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's just about four or five players that um because there's a six what's this kid Obi Obi something from uh Dayton mm-hmm. he's from actually he's from Brooklyn they said uh Obi Toppin he's uh six six nine um twenty two years old played he, he's played for Dayton but he's um he's been he's son, been crushing him. he got to change been crushing his name, it, son. he's been yeah but he's been son he got to change his name it, uh, son. League. Right now, I mean, I'm, I mean, come on, yeah, so son. Go ahead, say it again. Feel? Say his name again. Say his name again. <laughs> his name is Obi. <laughs> <laughs> this moment of immaturity, this oh, moment son, of immaturity, abuse from the clutch. Because when this guy dunks on somebody. And the sports centers and, and, and all of the other newscasters out there start screaming his name, it's gonna be some of the most hilarious replays in Paul's history. Obi Toppin with a sensational finish. Pause. Yo, speaking of the pause movement, do you re- did you know that Nikola Jokic got fined for saying pause once? Yo, you got to look it up. It's one of the most no, hilarious post games ever. Interview. Because again, this is the Joker we're talking about. He's not even American. And his influence, the pause culture has reached so far <laughs> that in his locker room, he knew to say pause. And he said it perfectly at the right time as far as the context of saying pause. And the NBA wasn't having it. I forgot what he said, but I got to go pull that up. Son. It was one of them. If, if I could pull it up and put it on the audio to open up one of our our blogs, it might be one of the funniest things I ever do, but for real, for real. Um, any other topics or, or issues that you wanted to address or speak on while we got another few minutes to, to cross the finish line? Um, 
No, no, everything is on. Everything All right, so before everything. before we close out, else. can you briefly um, recap over the um the playoff standings as they currently are in the West and the East? So number one, we got Lakers. The Clippers have officially taken number two over? Yeah, Clippers are number two by – hold on. I, I just uh, – give me one second. Yeah, yeah, uh, Clippers are number two by one game over Denver. Um, so basically, Lakers in first. Clippers are six and a half back, and that's number two seed. The third seed is Denver, which is uh, one game back of the Clippers. Uh, Utah is actually the fourth seed. Um, and we spoke about Utah possibly not knowing what the hell they were doing because of the starting crazy move. Well, because they lost. But they, since but putting since Mike Conley back in the starting lineup and moving Ingles to the bench. Wow. Yep. I'm still trying to figure out who 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 was officially behind that decision. Like that, man. They're behind the you know what is the making of or whatever. Their story for this year is going to be some interesting. Like if they do a documentary on this season and how things played out, I would love to watch that to see who were in who was in the room when they decided. You know what? Nah, we're going to sit Conley. Nah, son! You got to sit Ingles. I'm telling you. Because apparently, the way the story played out, management had decided on the benching thing, and then the players got mad, wasn't feeling it, and Ingles got moved. So I'm trying to figure out who feels what kind of way in that locker room. Like you said, they're Jekyll and Hyde team. Uh-huh. So five. after that, it's Oklahoma City, which... As number five, which is a game a game and a half back from Utah. Uh, then at number six is the Rockets, who are a half a game behind Oklahoma City for the for the um fifth seed. And then you got Dallas, who's a full game behind um Houston for the sixth seed. Dallas is currently seventh seed. Then you got Memphis rounding it out. Shout out to KP. The, um, Shout out to KP. AC. We we, we haven't given him enough light, and KP yeah, is turned up. He is turned up. He. he Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's showing he and, and the way his game is, it looks like all he needs to do is continue. Yeah, because I've seen him throwing it down a couple helmets from long range. You know, like the things that he used to like remember he used to try to mm-hmm. kill himself in the garden at least once a night. And it looks like he's back to that level yeah, yeah. of daringness with his athleticism. Because I saw him catch one where it looked like it was gonna be an extendo finger roll and he yammed it and he landed safely and I was like, All right, you good. Cause you know, even even as mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, even as not being a big-time Knicks fan, I definitely enjoy watching Porzingis play for the Knicks, and I rooted for him. So it's hard it's hard to not root for a guy mm-hmm. just because he don't play for your team no more, even if he wanted out. Because, again, you can't be mad at anybody who don't want to stay in New York because of the situation of how that franchise is. You can't really be mad at any player. So that doesn't – so that, that you know, that doesn't no, dampen your agree. ability to be supportive of them. So seeing Porzingis – back to what appears to be full strength and maturing into his, his physical form the way he needs to. Shout out to you, man. Shout out to you. And, and shout out to Dallas for figuring out that dynamic in an unfortunate way. They had to lose to Dwight Powell to realize that, you know, Porzingis needed to be the number one role man with Doncic if you wanted them to have the chemistry that you're going to have. And, and it looks like they're figuring it out. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so those, uh, those are the top eight, which is – a couple of ga- a game or two, maybe three game winning streak or a three game losing streak can to- mm-hmm. from two to seven can drastically shift. 
I mean, well, really more so their own little, you got from two to four that could shift because that's only two games. And then from uh, five to seven mm-hmm. could switch because that's only a game and a half. So that's nothing. You know what I'm saying? A couple of games, a couple of losing streaks. Tumbling. Because being that the Rockets are lost four straight. Yeah, they lost four straight. If honestly, if they if Dallas would have won last night, and honestly, I think that's the best place for the Rockets. I think the Rockets need to see the Clippers in the first round. Now, this version of the Rockets cannot beat the Clippers. I don't know. I mean, I honestly, let me say this. But I would enjoy. I I would like to. I I would. I would still even feel confident. With the oh, Rockets, the Rockets were playing them. Them. I definitely, I definitely would expect the Rockets because you know Russell Westbrook and 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 Harden would look at each other in the locker room and say, "Yo, come on, son, we're not we're not about to lose to them, son." I'll tear an ACL before I lose to these dudes. Well, that's and that's my whole point is so where they're at, they're probably even though they're losing and it's not the way you want to go about mm-hmm. um, seating purposes. I think you, nobody you wants. I think right that. now in the West, nobody wants bad. the seventh seed. So I think you're going to see Dallas. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they would love to play the play the the Nuggets first. Oh, if you're definitely. a Western Conference yeah, yeah, team in that uh-huh. bottom three, yeah, I mean, I, you probably if you had a choice between Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets, you're going to choose the Nuggets every time. Oh, easily, yeah, yeah, every time, every time, every every time. But the thing about it is. The way these seeds are set up, two to four are separated by two games. So it's no guarantee that the Clippers stay in the two seed. You know, they could. I mean, I think they'll finish at the second seed, but they, I, know, I just it, feel it like can, the blood that they, they just you know, tasted. A, a change can happen. Is enough to send them. Like, this was. It's ironic and unfortunate that the death of Kobe Bryant caused this game to get postponed. But it actually happened at a perfect time for the Lakers season and for the Clippers season. The Clippers were winning, and they weren't really having to kill themselves to win. That game last night was a fight. They fought. They were down for a majority of the game. They had to leave briefly. But come fourth quarter, the Lakers are 41-0, and and all they did was keep to form. They have not lost when they had to leave at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So... With that in mind, I think the Clippers learned some things about themselves. I also felt like the way that they forced some adjustments proved what their mentality was going to be because they took Dwight Howard out of that game. He did not play in in the second half. Caruso didn't play much in the second half, or or if at all. And And Bradley only played because he was so high. Because normally those are KCP minutes. So they usually trade off between right. You had to you had to ride the hot hand, and he was genuinely hot. He was cooking, and I think again, a lot of that has to do with all of the players involved. Avery Bradley is a Doc Rivers guy. Doc Rivers essentially handed him a career Uh because nobody knew who Avery Bradley was until all of a sudden he was starting on the Celtics. Like yo, who is this guy? Exactly, coming out of Texas. Coming out of Texas, people didn't felt like Correct. he, he uh, left school too early. And his ability to be an all-ball defender on all yeah. types of great perimeter scores has served him well, and has kept him has kept him employed. Uh-huh. And now his jump shot appears to you know be finding his groove again. It was taking a while; he was hurt, so you know certain guys 
they, they just don't shoot well until they have their whole faculty underneath them. And when you're not a natural shooter, it's not a surprise. But, um, go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's, no, no, I was just going to say, yeah, the, the, the Clippers have to, they got some things they need to work out. I mean, again, Morris going over Yeah, he nine, left his game in New know, York. That's probably not going to And happen. I don't think people understand Lou, Lou Williams. That. Yeah, Lou, Lou, well, Lou, they traveled Lou Williams every time he attempted to run a pick and roll. So I knew he was going to have a tough night. And the way yep. that the Clippers adjusted actually was pretty genius because they were slipping a guy and run, turn it into a high-low, and um, and Montrez was getting dunks off of it. So, I mean, it was a lot of chess matches going yeah. back and forth, and I think what they were kind of doing was trying to get an idea of what mm-hmm. the other team will do in given situations. So I don't think each franchise really showed their true full-on hand. I do think, like, LeBron – I do think, like, LeBron put no, a little no, extra into you. that win. And and it kind of and it kind of showed itself oh, with that you know barbarian roar that he had with a minute to go in the game and they were already up nine. Yeah, I video recorded that. It had me dying yeah. laughing. He's <laughs> like he went. Yeah, he probably had to hit yeah, the asthma pump after that. But um, crazy. Yeah, we'll get to the East on the next podcast as far as the top eight and how things are shaking out. I think it's a good mm-hmm. way to do it because. We're subject to the East possibly having a little bit more of a seismic shift. I definitely do want to discuss what is right or wrong with Victor Oladipo. He has returned, but I have not yet seen an Oladipo signature moment to feel like he is fully back. So I'm curious if that Uh should accelerate or further induce Victor Oladipo to don the Black Panther. But you can only summon the Black Panther if you've been taking the um, Mm -hmm. natural herb. And we also got to talk about how um, your your man T.J. Warren decided to uh, foul Luka Doncic three straight times in like less than like ten seconds. <laughs> when did that I ended up fouling out. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, now I gotta go on YouTube to find out. Yo, T.J. Warren, man. Yo, if you got yeah. um, Insta, if you got well, you got Instagram. I sent it to you on Instagram. Yo, it looks so so terrible because they kept inbounding the ball to Luka. And he followed like three straight times, and some of them was like, "Yo, why are you following this man?" Then the last one, he hit him with the pump fake, and the dude jumped into him, not even on some old. I'm gonna try to jump past you. He just like, oh, forget it. Right, I know I'm gonna follow you. So, yo, here you go. Uh, and, and but it's so crazy because they yo, ended up Warren, Warren, Warren be going places mentally. Like now, I can see how him and Butler got where they got. You got two people who ain't wrapped too tight. Playing basketball yeah. against each other, getting physical. Luca has, I keep telling you, man, Luca has a way of getting under players' skin, man. There's a lot of players who've given Luca some 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 dirty laundry this year, man. A lot of them. Um, who was it who shoved them uh-huh. straight into the bleachers? Oh man. That wasn't Jimmy. Yeah, oh, no, Luca so got shoved, shoved into, the into the bleachers. I forgot who did it. Oh, he got up. He got up. Man, you know, like, dude, I'm from Eastern. I'm from the Eastern Bloc, but it was too late, bro. I'm gonna find that. So you gonna send me something on Instagram? I'm gonna send you something yeah. that I found on YouTube when Luca got shot. It was quite hilarious. But on that note, we're gonna bring episode 62 to a close. As always, we're thankful to each and every one of our subscribers, viewers, contributors to the, to the podcast. If you would like to leave us a message, you could do so by leaving a voice note directly on any of the podcasts and platforms we're hosted. You can reach us by email via viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Facebook and Instagram. And on that note, peace.
Napier. Gorgie out of the corner. Yes, sir! Be hard to guard. Dinwiddie kicks it out. Prince gets into the paint. And it rattles in, and we're tied. That's two of them. Well, you're gonna have to, he's going to try to see can he get Aaron Holiday in position.